This is Bookshelf Banter, where you'll get to meet new indie authors. Be sure to check them out. You just may discover your new favorite author. Hi. Welcome to this week's episode of Bookshelf Banter. This week, I'm interviewing author K.M. West. K.M. West loves to write characters who explore their ancient traditions, culture, and a world with humor wrapped ruthlessness. An insatiable knowledge seeker, she's likely to be found devouring books on myths and ghosts, both real and perceived, alongside research papers on serial killers, war, and mental illnesses. As an IT professional, gym owner, yoga instructor, strength coach, mother, and partner, she spends any spare moment she has writing stories for people who want to believe in magic and love to have their hearts broken. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, despite our 15-year age gap, I'm the 15-year senior, I found that we had a lot of things in common and she was very, very relatable. Um, please excuse my Fuzzy bear voice in the beginning of this podcast. I really don't know if maybe I was coming down with a cold. It was um, probably about a month ago that we recorded this, but I I was listening to it and I was like, why the hell do I sound like Fuzzy Bear? And uh, my husband's like, well, you put on a fake voice when you do an interview. I'm like, no, honestly, that's my normal voice. I I don't know why it comes out sounding like that. Um, I don't definitely don't put out a fake voice, so don't believe everything he says. Anyway, enjoy this episode. Hello, how's it going, Heather? Good, how are you? I'm, I'm doing so well, I'm doing so well, so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Sorry we had to reschedule, um, but had to get my blood pressure in check, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's only like a little important, right? Like, I feel like health is one of those things that like, yeah. I'm, I'm so bad. I'm so bad at going to doctors and stuff like that. I'm like, you know what? I think I'd rather do the podcast and go to the doctor. My husband's like, do the damn podcast another day. <laughs> you have to go to the doctor. <laughs> I, uh, I have a tendency to wait. Like, I'm always like, I mean, is it really that bad, though? Until it's like, okay, well, I guess I have been complaining about this for a year and a half. Like, I should yeah. probably get that checked. Yeah, like chest pain or something like right? that. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, I'm glad we could we could connect today. So I have I have some some questions for you. I'm looking at your your book now on Amazon, Wild Things Will Roam. That's and right. I have to say, this is a very interesting cover. Did you design that yourself? I did. I did. As a as a matter of fact, uh, it was the first ever cover that I have ever done. Um, I designed it originally, kind of as part of my querying process. You know, when you're trying to spin everything up, and and you know, I wanted to have a full package. I wanted it to look like a book. Um, oh wow! And okay. so, I, it's kind of extra, but I'm like that, right? And so. <laughs> Uh, I thought it'd be fun. I was just kind of playing around with the idea of what would I want it to look like. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to sign originally with a startup out of London that was running, um, that, that intended to run it in episodes. So uh, kind of like how Kindle Vela is now, but this was, oh, okay. uh, yeah. this was uh, 2019 when I signed with them. And so um, anyway, uh, you know, they had 
potential options for cover design, but uh, liked what I had and I was excited to keep it. So, uh, so yeah, that was my, my first go around at it. Um, it's, it's still my favorite. I've tried to redesign it a couple of times that I, I keep coming back to the same design. So. Yeah. Do you, do you do now cover design and graphic design? I do. I do. As a matter of fact, um, I, so that same publishing house I was with, um, you know, signed several stories that were going to run an episode. So I was doing a lot of their cover art. Um, and then I ended up uh, working as an art director for the next publishing house um, after that one closed its doors. And so, yeah, I, I've been in the cover design business now for almost, I guess, just over two years. Um, and I, I do, I still, I'm working on four covers right now in a series. So. Oh, wow. Um, that's great. So do you yeah, have any like graphic design background or you just decided it was something you wanted to try and got sure. into it? Sure. So I, I work professionally in IT. Um, so I, I've been working as an IT professional for about 10 years. So software is not something that's super foreign to me. And then um, I, in general, am kind of an art enthusiast, right? Like that's what I do to calm down. Um, and so the, the two of those things kind of went hand in hand as far as developing. So no, I don't have a graphic design um, degree per se, but I do have just uh, hours upon hours upon hours of uh, trial and error. So, you know, the experience counts for something, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I enjoy, this is probably my favorite part of the whole process is the cover, you know, um, sure. trying to get lines and, and trying to have your vision, somebody else understand your vision. So, yeah. I mean, it, I, I find it the most fun part of the whole thing. I mean, I would do that about a thousand times over editing uh, one page. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. Uh, so I also, to, to me, like, so I have a question here, right? So if you were coming to me for cover art, um, right. what I'm going to do is have you fill out this questionnaire. And the big thing that I'm always asking people for, for is kind of what is the emotional heart of the story, right? So if you wanted your cover to convey a feeling, what would that be? Because I think that's the thing that's missed a lot. Uh, in cover right. design that, you know, you get the premise, you have the characters, you get the symbolism, uh, and it doesn't quite land on the emotional side of things uh, versus a design can be a little off or like the characters maybe not quite right. But if the emotion's right, then mm -hmm. your audience is going to know that it's the right, like something that connects with them. And then usually the author is a lot happier with the product too. So um, that's, that's, that's I will two cents on that nonsense, but no, that's a great question to ask. I don't think I've ever, I've had quite a few cover designers, um, over the, over the years. And I've even done those 99 design contests. Um, yeah. and I, I, I like enjoyed like seeing what other people from my synopsis or my blurb or whatever. Ah. Um, but that is a question that nobody ever asked, like, what is the general like emotion you want to evoke? And, uh, that's a, that's a very good question. I'll have to put it in my, uh, <laughs> my repertoire for when I look for another cover. I'm going to be like, yeah, this is the emotion I want. Yeah. Cause it, again, like that's, that's what your readers are connecting with when they look at the covers too. So, you know, if you can, if you can nail that, that's really, that's the key, uh, the key in my opinion. <laughs> it's very important. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've never read dystopian fiction. Yeah. Um, convince me to read this. I, I, I need some sort of... Um, sure, sure, yeah. I mean, I understand. Like, that's one of those things, uh, you know, when I first published, you know, all your friends and family are like, oh, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to read it. And I had to be like, hey, so like, it's not for everyone. Um, so like, you can love me and not necessarily love 
you know, my work. Um, and right. so, so there, you know, especially with, you know, dystopian dark fantasy, uh, it's adult dystopian dark fantasy too. So it's, it's very gritty and it's very violent. So it, it's, you know, not everybody's cup of tea. I guess my question to you would be, what do you like to read? Me personally, yeah. I am a big fan of mysteries. Okay. Um, that is like my favorite mystery sure. thriller. It's just, you know, I don't get too gross. I know some people get grossed out by uh, gritty. I'm a nurse. I don't get like grossed out by gritty. Yeah. Um, except if it's on TV, it's very weird. Like I can't no, watch surgeries on TV. I am like, oh, I can't. But meanwhile, somebody could come into my my office with the bone sticking out, and I'd be like, all right, let's wrap that up. You know, <laughs> it wouldn't bother me. But um, yeah, I like mysteries and thrillers. Okay, okay. So so if I were going to tell you that this is say um. So this is dystopian in the sense that it's set after a war. Uh, the story kicks off about 15 years after uh, most of America was bombed. And so these characters, one, don't have a lot of information on that bombing, and two, have kind of settled a little bit. So it's not your immediate aftermath uh, disaster scenario. It's more of like a wilderness setting so like have you read oh, um, okay right so so if you're a fan of say you know outlander when it gets to the later books and they're just like in the wilderness it's got uh-huh. a lot of those components okay. um if you're a fan of mystery there's a a lot of mystery at the heart of the story it's a um so it's it centers around four main characters mm-hmm. uh two are brothers they're the the pharaoh brothers they're romani americans um, and the younger brother, Ander, was supposed to be the recipient of this great prophecy. So he's kind of your chosen one, right? Except for he failed whatever prophetic test there was, uh, and then this giant war broke out. So this is set 15 years after he's kind of failed his prophecy. Um, when they kind of chance encounter, stumble upon the other two main characters, who are a woman named Liv, she's 27-year-old uh, Filipina-American, and her guardian uh carrion who is a 50 year old um welsh man uh their anders assumption he has kind of this prophetic vision uh with live at the center of it and he becomes completely convinced that she's his second chance at redemption and so there's a big mystery through line around uh not only what is this prophecy what does it actually mean uh but more importantly is it even real uh so you know is Ander um, and Lash's cultural belief, something that that matters if you don't believe in it. So that's that's part of the mystery. And then there's also several thriller components. Uh, you know, there's there's people chasing after them. There are uh, lots of dangers in the environment. I think anxiety. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, one of the feedback I have gotten was that, uh, you know, it's it's you're, you're anxious sometimes while you're reading it. So I feel like it's got the thriller aspects. So, you know, if you're into those things, um, it, it can bring that to you. It's it's not necessarily just all uh, dystopian doom and gloom. So there's oh. my, my pitch for you. <laughs> I, I, it was a wonderful pitch. I just put it in my cart. So <laughs> hey, yes, there it is. Yes. you did a great job. Yes. <laughs> No, that was that was definitely um very thorough and uh it sounds very interesting like I do like stuff that's different um I didn't read fantasy for a very long time either and I was like oh my gosh and then I picked up Harry Potter (laughs) last year and I was like oh my god I've been missing this for 25 years you know it was so great you know so I think there's a lot to be said for getting out of your um, comfort zone and, yeah. and trying stuff a little different. 
Well, and I think that's the beauty. And I know you, you focus on indie novels. I think that's the beauty there is that you get a lot more genre bending in an indie forum where some say a, a larger publishing house might not be comfortable pursuing what's not necessarily going to fit into a nice neat category and sell hand over fist. Uh, smaller houses are. And so I think with indie works, you get that overlap. You can say like, oh, I, I haven't read fantasy, but like, I really enjoy a thriller. And this is a thriller with some slight fantasy elements or like some magical realism or something. And it kind of baby right. steps you into other genres. Um, so I'm, I'm always a fan of that. And and I like that when it's, it's um, you know, you know that right off the bat. Like there was a thriller author that I followed that all of a sudden just started throwing like psycho stuff in there, like ghost stuff. And I'm like, ah, I don't like this because you just, you changed the game on me. Yeah, and that's not what I expect switch. from you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't mind it if that's your thing. Like, I don't know if you've read Simone St. James. Um, she has like a very like, supernatural yes magical realism. Mm-hmm. but but it's not like kind of in your face like it, that's not the whole point of the story right I, I guess so i i do enjoy her but there was another author that i was following i was like wait a minute you didn't this wasn't your real house so, so you stay in your lane <laughs> right right or when it's just a real real left field thing um yes. i think i had that i had that reaction to uh the terror which I still really, really liked. I, I'm yeah. not meaning to disparage it, but like I, it's, you know, sort of, it, it's about the ship, the terror uh, and it being stuck in ice and, and it goes for a while and it's kind of spooky and, you know, the ambiance is all there with the environmental issues and all this stuff. And then, and then it sort of like takes a supernatural turn and you're like, oh, okay. Like mm. I really liked it, uh, but like it didn't need it. Like the, the, the story was right, right. enough. <laughs> Yes, but, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so what inspired you to write this novel? Yeah, uh, so this novel actually came about after attempting several not very good ideas. Um, and one day I, I kind of had this dream and I was telling a, two of my girlfriends about it in a group chat. And it sort of just spiraled, like we were kind of bantering back and forth about what would happen next, you know, if you were effectively lucidly lucid dreaming it and so I was like oh okay like we're I'm gonna start taking notes and so I started you know jotting down notes and and I had some old stories I had written that I was able to scrap pieces of and throw into a word doc and I was like hey you know that text we had earlier here's the first 10 pages of it and then it was sort of a fun like I would send it to them and they would have notes and we were kind of you know choose your own adventuring together as a hobby as a fun thing to do back in 2015 and then it started kind of creeping into my subconscious and I started thinking about it more often and, and what could we say with it and what could we do with it and it just slowly became an obsession that then I couldn't stop writing it um and so you know by the end of the next month I had 200 and some odd pages written and it was like wow I don't know where that came from um and it was terrible <laughs> I should know it was terrible at the first Aww. uh yeah no, no no it was I mean like the writing is all right but like the it was just filled with you know tropes and and obviously this is what happens next I, I I think at least for me writing at first was sort of this excitement around oh I'm creating something that didn't exist before and here it is and then it was like okay so now you've done the creating part but like can you be more creative <laughs> like uh, you know, some of these things are a little on the nose. And so then I obviously had to rewrite it several times, but that's okay. <laughs> was that when, like, was that the first time you had written anything or were you always a writer? 
um, that was the first time I had written anything that ended. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> right, right. There's lots of, there's probably a good like 20 pages of a bunch of things that just, you know, only got that far and then kind of petered out. Uh, I think, you know, if you were to ask eight-year-old me, what did I want to be when I grew up? The answer would have been like a magician or um, an author or a vampire. Uh, and so obviously um, I picked the least exciting slash most realistic of the three and um <laughs> but, yeah. you're, but you're all of those things sort of because you know yeah yeah magician. I do I am a magician yeah that I should have noted that well I should have opened with that honestly like oh yeah so I am a magician um <laughs> and a vampire, no, I wish too, probably. I do it well you know I was going to be more discreet about that right like I wasn't going to put that out there again uh but now that you've really driven it home yeah also a vampire oh, for sure well uh, you know, yeah we all are because right. we were like writing in the middle of the night. Girl, yeah, that is that's exactly right. So, you know, we we obviously met through the Moms Who Write group. Um <laughs> yeah. that is that is the bread and butter. I have a four year old and a one year old and uh, I oh, you know, wow. one of the questions people ask is like when do you write? And I'm like, honestly, three AM uh <laughs> when the time strikes. Uh or or I don't, I guess. I you know, write a lot of little ideas down as they come to me in this one giant notepad and then when I find time to write, I just go through that and see if anything jumps back out at me so I can elaborate on it. I feel like when I write, it's either feast or famine. It's like either yes. I'm like falling over the finish line to write my thousand words a day, or I'm like, oh my God, I just wrote, you know, 5,000 words in mm -hmm. 25 minutes. And where the heck did they come from? I mean, that doesn't happen too often, but right. it's just like, I, I can't, um, I'm working on something right now that I'm like, please just get to the finish line and every time mm -hmm. I turn around I'm like oh I have to add this dimension to it and I have to add this mm -hmm. to it and it's like 90,000 words now and I'm like oh my god <laughs> I feel that feast or famine thing I, I try to remind myself um that like whenever whenever it's hard right so when I sit down I have to say I have time right? For whatever reason, I've got two hours. I'm like, oh, I'm going to write something. But of course, I've decided to sit, you know, 10 a.m. and I've got no interest in writing. And I, I don't know what I want to say. And it's kind of like staring at my machine. Um, I have to remind myself that like, whenever I don't know what to write, it's because I haven't yet become the person that I need to be to be able to write the story that I'm working on. So I, I feel very much like those feast or famine moments are signs for me as to what I need to be focused on. And so if I'm prying it out, then I'm like, nah, this is just not the time. I need to go live some life and figure it out outside of this, for me at least. Um, now, does that mean I only have one book written and two that are just outstanding indefinitely? Yes, that's correct. Hmm. <laughs> the indefinite no, part is accurate. <laughs> but no, that's that's a great point. You know, it's not your time to be writing this right now, and at some point in time, it'll it'll come to you. And right, and and, and I think that is what happened with this book that I'm writing right now. I'm like, okay. I, I actually started it last year. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe last March. I'm sure. like, it just dragged out and dragged out. And like, now it's coming to me now. So I don't yeah. think I was in the right place for it. Right. Um, right. Last year. So you got to kind of hold on to your ideas and the dreams you have. Yeah, you plant them, right? It's like, yeah. it's like flowers, you plant it, and then, you know, kind of nurture around it, water it from time to time. And then at some point, it does sprout. And you're like, okay, got it. There it is. That's what I was working toward this whole time. Yeah. And, and, and this is a series you're, you're working on the sequels. Yeah. Uh, so I'm actually working on a prequel and a sequel Ooh. at the same Ooh, time. Cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're intrinsically tied together. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the two of them 
kind of as a, as a partner set to this book. The prequel is not the same genre. So it's actually more of a, um, what would you call it? Like a supernatural thriller. Oh. Um, or or oh, rather yeah. like magic realism. So it's set before the collapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the main character is actually, the main character in this series, Liv, it's her mother. And so it's set when Liv is a baby. Um, oh, awesome. So Yeah, so it's a little bit more of a women's fiction focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a, a woman who is blessed by the gods of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's got a freckle in her eye, which is supposed to give her the sight of, you know, past, present, and future. But she was raised, you know, in America and has no context around that culture. And so she's living this life that feels very unfulfilled for her because she doesn't realize that there's supposed to be this big destiny for her. Like she would have been a, a shaman effectively, but without that guidance, what does that look like? So it's a, it's a big lost culture story um, and a romance. There's a, there's a romance through line too. So um, oh. it's been really fun, it, but it's different. It's a different, different energy than this book, um, but it very closely ties to what, what's happening in this broader series. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. And then what happens in the in the other one, the sequel? Yeah, in the sequel. So so this book uh, treks our group kind of treks from the app through the Appalachian shadow. So it starts in uh, Danville, Virginia, and then they move south to Atlanta. And so the mm-hmm. second book picks up in Atlanta and takes them all the way into East Texas, which is uh, you know my old stomping ground. It's where I'm from originally, and uh, it, it's it brings them to uh, sort of the crux of all three books you know, they're, they're heading toward this bizarre destiny. And there's this big question of, you know, are they moving toward it or is it coming for them? And I think that's the, at the heart of all the novels, really. You're, so you're still living in Texas or you I transplant. Yeah, I'm in Oklahoma, actually. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not that far from Texas. No, right? I mean, it's about six hours. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah, which is interesting because I'm from Northeast Texas, too. So it's not even like I'm far down in Texas yeah the, in the middle <laughs> right right I'm just up at the the northern corner of Oklahoma so almost to Kansas I actually like it here a lot which is a side note I thought Oklahoma no offense to everyone from Oklahoma um but like when I pictured it I thought it was just going to be like flatlands with like a tornado in the background um and like <laughs> an, like an oil derrick in the other corner so I was like oh <laughs> Oklahoma um and where I'm at at least is like the foothills of the Ozarks so it's really really pretty oh yeah really hilly yeah. And, and nice so I can't complain I think we we briefly um I had done like a um nursing um stint across the country in Arizona in the summer which yeah. side sidebar is not a good idea it's um, hot <laughs> yeah it's just it's but it's a dry heat okay um, like a like and... a dry sauna that's not so bad <laughs> yeah. people pay for that you know <laughs> It was terrible. And uh, we wanted to get home so bad that we drove home in two and a half days. And I just remember like zipping through Texas and Oklahoma and like, yeah, it was flyover state, man. That's, that's what they are is flyover yeah. states, but that's okay. Yeah. No, we, I, I, we've been to Texas. So, you know, like around Dallas. So okay. Texas okay. is nice. Texas I, is hard I, to miss. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of it. So I read your interview on the Tyler Loop. So yeah. your your work seems to have a lot of layers to it. Um, I know. So for example, you said I grew you grew up feeling distant from your culture. What yeah. what did you mean by that? Uh, so I am also Filipino. Uh, so that has crept into my work in a way that I did not expect. Um, the main character of 
actually, I guess all the books really is are, are Filipino American women. Uh, and that mm-hmm. was by accident. A friend of mine suggested that after I had originally written this book, uh, I had cast Liv, who's the main character. It's just like, I, I don't know, just like a standard, you know, white girl with blonde hair. I mean, I hadn't thought too much for it. I was thinking, you know, oh, I wanted her to be a female MC. And I didn't even think about that kind of intrinsic biasy of mine that like oh of course she'd be white and so a friend of mine was like oh you know you know make her she'd be Filipino like you uh and I was like I've never even read a book like that and so it was sort of an interesting shift for me and then I've been baby stepping through this process as like oh wow yeah I I I was raised in East Texas uh my Mm -hmm. grandmother is from the Philippines so uh my mom is half Filipino and it is just kind of the strange thing because I I think the mentality of my grandmother when she came here in the 50s was that, you know, she really wanted to have American children. And so they, their names are things like, you know, Gary and Neil and Barbara. And, and you know, just they didn't learn a lot about being Filipino aside oh, from okay. like, you know, yeah. the cur- curse words in the food, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was yeah. a real, real emphasis, right, on on this kind of desire to be, you know, to blend in and, and be American. And um, yes. yes. so okay. I think by the time it got down to me, um, there was just very little, not, not even just understanding, but like very little relationship with the fact that I was um, an Asian American. And so it, mm-hmm. it always felt like I was Asian American on paper. Um, and it's interesting now that I am an adult and I'm looking back on my life and looking at different experiences and exploring them through my writing and realizing all the times that like, to me, I didn't feel different, but like, I obviously look different. And so I've been, uh, you know, treated differently in different scenarios than in ways that I, I hadn't even really thought about if, if that makes sense. And so it's interesting. So like the Philippines, this is a long, long history and I apologize. Um, but like the Philippines were colonized by the Spaniards uh, in the 1600s. And basically they drew a circle around 7,000 islands and said, this is for King Philip. So they weren't even like related islands. It's different kinds of culture, um, just like drawn together. And the Spanish said like, this is Philip. Uh, this is Phillips, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then oh, named it. That the makes so much sense right now. <laughs> sure, right, exactly. Uh, and so, so um, you know, from that point forward, there was a lot of, and, and we've seen it obviously in in America with other indigenous populations. Um, you know, this prioritization around you have these colonizers, and so what they deem to be attractive, acceptable, appropriate, that is the aspirational goal um, of, of the people that they are, um, you know, colonizing. So, um, so as a result of that, right, there's, there's this very Western focused bias. And I think a lot of culture was lost, not just for me being a couple generations away, but like for Filipinos in general. Um, and so it's been, it's been a journey for me trying to learn a lot about this culture that I didn't uh, have any exposure to really again besides the cuss words and the food so <laughs> yeah there's just it's it's more just like a big question mark uh, and I think that accidentally came out in my works because um, that's part of what the characters are experiencing in this book and wild things alone is that we're now 15 years out from quote-unquote before and mm-hmm. what what culture remains what is shifting what's being actively lost as they are you know trying to put their nose down and survive um, you know, what, what 
kind what does culture look like and and we as we've seen in recent years culture shifts around you and faster than you realize so you kind of look up and oh this is this seems like a dramatic change but you know it happened very slowly over months and months and now you know it, right. things are things are different. So, um, so yeah, I guess that's at a heart, the heart of all the things I'm working on, whether I knew it when I started or not. Yeah, that's a very um, poignant theme right now because I really feel like we're looking around and we're like, okay, things are so different than they were two years ago, five years ago, yeah. ten years ago, and yeah. you know, what is is it better? Is it worse? You know, right? It's some, overwhelming. <laughs> I tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy how much has actually changed. And I, I really feel like 90% of it is social media and yeah. the access that we have, the internet. I mean, you know, I almost like yearn for those days in like the 80s where you didn't know anything until it came on the news or, mm-hmm. you know, you read it in the paper. And like now everything's instantaneous, you know, right. you know, this celebrity died and this happened within seconds of anything yeah. happening and it's so kind of it's, it's kind of you know instead we don't have that um patience or we don't have that uh you know sense of 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 needing to wait for anything it's like instant gratification and it's you know on one hand it's it's great I can order your book right now or sure. but on the other hand you know we don't know how to be patient and be with ourselves and be with our family and be silent and quiet and you know reflect on stuff yeah it's everything all the time um yes. and and we have more options than I think we know what to do with and as a result I think there's a lot of uncertainty that comes from just knowing everything I mean you're you're just you're paralyzed by knowing yeah. everything if that's possible um yeah. I think, uh, so that's actually part of why this is a dystopian novel in the first place. I did not set out to write dystopia. That's not my, um, that's not like my bread and butter. It's not my overarching interest either. Uh, This became a dystopia by virtue of the messages I wanted to send and the disconnected feeling I wanted people to have. And so, so back to the wilderness idea, I really wanted to set something in a more wilderness setting. And how do you get there from here? Right. I wanted it to be a modern setting, but how do you how do you get back into a wilderness at our stage in the game? And so, um, you know, a big reset felt like the only only potential option, at least for me. So let's pivot to something. OK. OK. Just yeah. I know you have a lot of hats. You're wearing tons. You, you, yeah. you have IT background and you're a gym owner and a yoga. Uh, yeah. 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 I have, it's not even multiple hats. I have a big head, I think is the thing. Uh, (laughs) There's plenty of room. Um, Yeah, I I am a, I'm a 200 hour uh, registered yoga teacher. I did that after my first daughter was born when she was about a year old. I I signed up for that. My husband was really wonderful as part of the kind of postpartum who am I journey. Um, You know, it had been on my bucket list for a long time and he was like, you should, you should do that. So, so I did. Uh, and it, it was really amazing. And so I do own a gym, um, with him. He's a strength and conditioning coach. He is a, um, he runs the largest barbell team here in the state of Oklahoma. So he, he does strength and conditioning. And so that's what our gym kind of focuses on. Um, and he owns that, uh, with our business partner, uh, a guy named Jeremiah Williams. And so, um, we, I mean, I, I say I own it. Technically, they own it, but what's his is mine, right? 
and uh, and I, I don't think you can I don't think you can be married to a small business owner without also being married to a small business, right? They are yeah. they're inseparable, and so so yeah. So I, I do own a gym. Um, I teach yoga there sometimes. Um, I need to get I want to get back into it. It's it fell off of my plate uh, when I was like very pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now my daughter's already a year old and I haven't started my classes back up. So I'm, it's, it's on my like impending shifts that I need to pick back up and get back into teaching. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love it and have a, have a really, I have a passion for it when I can remember that it's part of who I am, you know, yes. um, back to that kind of postpartum journey. I'm, I'm cycling back now into things that I'm nostalgic for things that I identify with to see what still sticks. Um, now that my daughter's a year old and we're weaning and we're doing all that stuff. So, yeah, well, you do change, you know, that's mm-hmm. part of the, the human condition. Um, right. what, what kind of yoga did you teach? Uh, so I, I taught some Bikram yoga and then vinyasa style. So, so mm-hmm. um, kind of that, that flow yoga, if you will. Yes. For folks right. who are not super. Well, that's, I, I think that's the most, like, what people mostly relate to, right? Like, yeah. when you say yoga, that's, that's what they think of, like, um, yes, you know, the exactly right. position, flow and, and all that. I, I, I do yoga. I do yeah. enjoy it. But it, I understand what you're like, I have to do yoga today. I have to do it. I have to do it. And then when you do it, you're like, why do I not do this more often? <laughs> it's any form <laughs> like, of self-care, right? Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I have a theory on that, which was, which is that I think yoga movement in general, I think we don't typically move as much as adults as we do as children, right? We never Mm -hmm. put our arms above our head. We, we move only in kind of this forward and backward motion. And very rarely do we move laterally from side to side. And, you know, all these things that we know as kids, we run and jump and play and we don't do them as adults because it'd be weird. Uh, And I think yoga (laughs) is one of those spaces that explores that kind of movement again. Um, And that can be both great and also kind of emotionally um, challenging, I think. Like if you, if you, if you have like a different relationship with your body or if you're storing different traumas in your body, or if you're trying to, um, you know, if your rigidity is part of your uh, character that you have, yep. built. I think yoga challenges raising my that. hand right here. Yeah, <laughs> yoga, my hand. yoga challenges that, and so it's one of those things that when you do it, you feel great because it's cathartic. Yeah. But um, convincing yourself to do something that's going to be cathartic is not like it's like no, like me watching Titanic the other day. Like I know I'm going to uh, sob like a baby uh. when they get to the scene where the guy is playing the violin on the deck and they pan yep. to the old couple in the bed and the mom tucking her her children in as the waters flood in. Oh, spoiler alert, right? The waters are flooding in. Um, <laughs> the ship sinks, uh, and uh, and um, I I know I'm going to sob like a baby. And I was like in the mood to just. Like, um, I, I, yeah I needed that right and so so but you have to know that going into it and I think yoga especially at first you kind of have to be like I got to prepare myself to do that so it's easy to put it off I guess is what I'm trying to say great now I have to watch Titanic tonight you know? okay well, I've seen that in like 25 years and I have been <laughs> obsessed with it now I saw it on uh so cinema therapy is this YouTube channel that I subscribe to I love they just it's it's a therapist and they react to movies it's very cool oh god um, really? oh yeah god. it's real cool um but they did one on Titanic not too long ago. And I was like, I had forgotten about Titanic, maybe. I mean, it had been like 20 something years since I saw it last. It's and... been 25. I mean, it came yeah. out 25 years ago. Yeah. I saw it in the 
theater, I want to say 10 times. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was eight when it came out. Oh, and wow. yeah. And, and uh, so I, I watched Tarzan that day, but obviously Tarzan is not even half the movie. And so I ended up watching the last half of Titanic, which by oh, the gosh. way, spoiler alert, the, the ship sinks. sinks um, yeah. But <laughs> I, uh, that was my, that is the first time I ever had romantic feelings for like a movie star. Yes. Um, like Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio is still the love of my life. Uh, if he's listening, I, I am, I have aged out of your demographic. I'm 32 now, but if you are ever, you know, just, just itching to settle down with somebody still way younger than you, but not as young as what you normally date. I am here for you, buddy. I got mm-hmm. you. Don't, um, I, I'm in his demographic. So I, I mean, like I am his age. I oh, gotcha. 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 So it was never creepy for me to like. <laughs> right. Right. No, I was absolutely, I mean, like I, my husband even favored him when we were young. That was, I mean, I built a schema nice. around oh. Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, oh. So, you know, it's fine. It's too, super normal. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's no, Titanic. <laughs> I had the same, I had the same thing. I actually, and I was, I was a little older. I was 21 and I had a picture of him cut out in my, um, in my visor, my son visor. And yes. uh, my husband was like, sell, we were selling my car and he brings the visor down. He's like, really? You have a picture <laughs> of Leo on your visor? What is wrong with you? You're not uh... like 16. <laughs> taping up um you know pictures on your on your wall and I'm like hey don't judge me buddy (laughs) exactly Heather Locklear I mean you know so well you know talking about yoga and you said making it like you know it's a childlike kind of positions and stuff that that is my favorite position though extended child pose right I just feel like it's my that's my go-to when I follow like um yoga with adrian on youtube okay yeah yeah i, I really love her i love her dog um <laughs> and um every time she does something that i don't want to do i'm like you know what adrian i'm doing extended child's pose i'm not doing that twisty right. thing that you're doing sure it's a i mean it's a restorative pose that's what it's supposed to be there for it's a place to relax and to restore and, and be ready to move on to the next thing mm-hmm. so yeah it's a journey same as anything you have a one-year-old and a four-year-old you said yeah, four, almost five, because it actually does go fast. Oh, God. Yeah, believe me. I have a 16-year-old and a 20-year-old. I'm like, how did that happen? See, that's going to be me in about two two years, right? Like, I'm going to yeah. look up two years from now, and I'm going to have a 16-year-old. And I'm going to be like, that's not how math works. And yeah. Now, you're going to be like, wait a minute. Why are they driving? What, wait, what do you wait, mean wait, they wait. want? Yeah. yeah, you're supposed to be little still. Um, yeah. have, they, have they been, like, an inspiration to you and as far as writing goes or – or it's yeah. just in life in general. Oh my gosh, have they? Have they? Have they? So I, I, I usually say, so my oldest daughter, uh, I think she came to convince, to teach me, to teach me that I could do anything. I think when she was born, I like realized, like I had, I wanted to be everything that I, that she could possibly be, right? Like I wanted to show her that you can do whatever you want, that there are no rules. And so it, it really shifted the way that I approached the world because I, you know, especially, um, I have a history with disordered eating and all these different things. And, and like this, I didn't want that kind of messaging for her. And I think it shifted my perspective on anything being accomplishable. Um, but then I think my second daughter came to tell me that like, just cause you can do everything doesn't mean you have to. Uh, she has been rest in human form. She's amazing. Um, and just Aww. helps just, just level me for sure. Um, so they're an inspiration in that sense. But I also think parenting has been inspiring for character development um 
yeah. Yeah. So getting, getting to see how people form, you know, from their earliest stages really helps you understand that even, you know, people that you work with or encounter in your day-to-day life or characters that you are creating, um, you know, are still fundamentally built on those same principles. And so it's, it's been really informative uh, to see, you know, what things people outgrow and what they don't and, and how they learn. Um, so yeah, my kids are absolutely an inspiration. They're incredible. Incredible. Uh, they're, That's a great point. I'm, I'm real curious to see I, my oldest one, like she's either going to be the president or she's going to be a cult leader. I'm calling it now. Um, <laughs> oh God. I'm very oh God. eager to see where she goes if she tr- uses her powers for, for good or for evil. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I say that about my daughter all the time. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have um, that kind of experience with my son. He was a very easy child, easy baby, easy mm-hmm. everything. And then she came to teach me that uh, life isn't easy <laughs> or mm-hmm. something. Um, she's definitely been uh, my challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and and like you said, I'm like, is she going to use her powers for good or for evil? <laughs> I do not know yet. Um, I'm really leading toward the evil right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, give her time. Give her time yet. You know, she may be evil until she's like in her 20s, and then she might turn, turn it. You know, for the for the light side. You never know. No, no, she 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 is really good, but um, some days some days are harder than others, and it's like, okay, can you be out of the house and somebody else's problem? Man, it is it is such an interesting thing too, because like especially I think as as women, uh, you know, I feel this responsibility to to not hinder her voice in the ways that mm. I feel like mine was censored. Yes. But then also yes. I'm like, no, but you do actually have to, uh, you know, you don't have to be well liked per se, but you like, you do have to get along with people. <laughs> right. And you have to be a decent human and you have to do the things that we have to do as people, like, right, um, right. you but- know, responsibilities and all that stuff yeah but, but yeah. kids are all it they're like it's there it's only for that it's like when you read peter pan and you realize that it's not actually like a fun disney story but like kind of it's very dark um mm-hmm. and that you know peter pan just like calls off the lost boys when they get too old like you're like what uh but they just like kids kids just don't have that like long-term understanding of like how your actions affect other people yet and so so like really trying to rationalize with a five-year-old who you know wants what she wants is you know it's it's a challenge (laughs) yeah Uh, but a good one you know it's a a good adventure like I said it's challenged me to look at different things that I I guess accepted as dogma and then where can I be more flexible on these things like does it really matter at least with her, a lot of things I'm like, I'm, why am I fighting you on this? It actually yes. doesn't matter. It it does not matter at all. Uh, I am thinking that you can't wear both of those prints together because they don't match. But you're in pre-K, so like, why doesn't it doesn't? You can wear that. That's fine. Like, it's it's an interesting uh, shift for me. But yep, yep. It's like pick your battles because I've right. picked a lot of battles over the couple last couple of years, and I'm like, you know what? I'm this is not the battle I'm gonna fight today so right you you win (laughs) and so how old is your daughter uh she's 16 oh yeah yeah oh man that is that is that is peak I mean that's that's peak mother daughter uh you know uh I guess yeah to to be honest with you I'm 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 honest um she was actually worse when she was um pre-teen this is this is like 
mm. much better. It's like the hormones balanced out and it was like a new child. But um, yeah, we still have, we still have days where I'm like, really? You're just, you're, you're, did you brush your hair today? I'm like, forget <laughs> it. Never mind. I'm not going to bother. It's like, such an interesting thing because, like, I, I 16 seems like such a hard age. I, I don't know. My kids are still very little. But even now, right? Like, my with my oldest, I'll like pet her hair or like go to straighten it with finger comb it, right? Because it's a little, you know, it needs to be brushed or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, don't touch me. Like, don't oh. touch my hair, right? Uh, and I have to remember that, like, the things that I have done for her as her mother when she was little because she didn't do them, like, they're kind of her her thing now if she needs to brush her hair she needs to do it herself and so like for me it's a little bit of a I feel like 16 is that place where you have to kind of mourn and learn what you have to let go of that like they're kind of adults but also you need to be there because you know they're not they haven't had all the experiences that adults have so you got to kind of be the experience sounding board I guess but I don't know uh, that's wise wisdom from someone without a 16 year old. So. Listen, and then five minutes later, she's like leaning on me. Oh, mommy, I love you. And I'm like, oh my God, do I live with Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde today? What's, <laughs> what's going on? But no, she actually has um, gotten a lot better. It was There was a lot of trauma in her earlier years and she she reacted to it and I sure. reacted to her. Sure. And, um, sure. you know, we're, we're definitely much more even keel. Yeah. healthier maybe yes just yeah. just in a bit in a better place so that's good eh, yeah so there is hope even if you're you know <laughs> when you're like oh my oh, god so I, I don't know how because I was always saying that I'm like I don't know how I'm gonna survive the teen years if this is like preteen and like 9 10 11 mm-hmm. and um it's just like all of a sudden she turned like 14 and it was like oh I'm a real human being again and I'm there like, you oh, are there you are. I missed you. I haven't seen you since you were about four months old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I, I, man. I laugh at she, she was actually born screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she had to go into the NICU because she was she swallowed so much fluid from screaming her way out. And oh, uh, she hasn't stopped screaming since. So. <laughs> I I believe in that. I mean, there's some there's some hippie mojo uh, mumbo jumbo to it, but like I think yeah, your birth story is probably a pretty good, pretty yes. good har, har, harbinger harbinger of of yes. uh, of your way you're gonna live your life. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, my other kid, they were like, we wish you he's doing fine, but we wish you would like make some more noise. And I'm like, yep, that's him to a T. Yeah. He's just kind of just like coasting through and she's just screaming her way through (laughs) it's crazy it's the ones that that I think you know have that fight though that's those are the ones who are going to bring about big changes um because they're comfortable with confrontation so so there's there's a great place I think for for both types yes Um, yes, for all types really but you know So, well, I hate to hijack the conversation, so I will go back to yours. We'll go back to you. Um, So, yeah, about me. About (laughs) you. You and all your books and stuff. Um, If you wrote a memoir, what would the title be? Oh, my gosh. I don't. uh, Everything all the time. Um, no, uh, I, I, you actually, you asked about that and I was like, what would my memoir be? Like, I, that's a great question. Uh, so I think I, I thought about it a little bit and, uh, I, I think I've boiled it down to, uh, rebel responsibly, right? So, so how to operate outside, uh, of expectations, but in a way that is, you know, stable <laughs> and, uh, you know, strategic, <laughs> 
<laughs> and and not and, and respecting other people I think yes yeah right? exactly yeah. exactly that's exactly right like how do you like, you can be offbeat but like you have to still we don't have to you don't have to but my experience and if this is my memoir then it's about me it is um, yours then you know that's that's probably what I would focus on is is the way that you can stretch your comfort zone and other people's comfort zones uh you know gradually so that you can kind of alter um or or create for yourself the life that you want without necessarily flying in the face of or being angry at or having to set yourself up in opposition to you know culture or your parents or you know the the world at large so now check back with me in in 10 years I might have a totally different opinion but that's that's where I'm sitting now at least no I love that I think that's that's wonderful that's like a great you know, way to look at things, a way, you know, and, and especially since you're saying, you know, you want to give your daughters that impression that they can do whatever they want, but they don't have to follow these, these norms, these cultural norms. And, but you, there's a way to do it without creating havoc. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, like, yeah. I, I, I try to tell my daughter that all the time. I'm like, you can do whatever you want, like, but you have to be, you know, respectful of other people. Right. And it doesn't have to be a fight. Right. Yes. Yes. It doesn't have to be a fight. You can make your point be known without, you know, could be, you could be the loudest, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room. You just have to be the most influential person in the room. You yeah, know, that's exactly with, right. Which is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so where can we find you? Where do you hang out social media wise or, you know, interacting? Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am, I am mostly on Instagram, uh, cause I think that that medium appeals to me the most. And then that shares to my Facebook. So you'll see me on, on Facebook at KM West Creative. Um, on Instagram is at KM underscore West underscore. So there's two of them. The second one's important or else I think you get some realtor out in California. So that's not me. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I'm also on Twitter periodically and really only when I'm feeling manic. I, I Twitter overwhelms me a little bit. Um, and so I, I find myself changing the way that I think to operate on, uh, Twitter. Right. And I, I don't like it. It's not the kind of me that I want to be. I don't want to be thinking about like how, how marketable or retweetable or whatever is this idea I have. So I'm trying to let that go and just post like what I am attracted to and what makes sense and but Instagram is probably a more natural fit for me. So anyway, I'm on all of the places. I guess I'm on TikTok, but those are terrible. They're oh, terrible. Uh, so I'm on TikTok. <laughs> I'm on uh, Instagram. I'm on Twitter. All of those are at KM West under, or KM underscore West underscore. Um, and then again, KM West uh, Creative on Facebook. And then KMWestWrites.com is my website, um, which has links to all those places. So you don't have to remember all the other stuff. So you just have to go to the one. I, I think it's it's very telling about people when you find out what their favorite social media platform is and, <laughs> you know, where they yeah. like to hang out. Because I, I agree with you. Uh, Twitter is just for the birds. I'm like, I can't follow it. It's too confusing. It's yeah. just, but my husband loves it. I'm like, I, I don't understand how you love this. It's very reactive to me. Like, it's, it, yeah, it's, agreed. it's too busy. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to look at the pretty pictures on Insta, you know, and yeah. that's where I like to go. Yeah. I uh, think there's a, a personality. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's, and I'm thinking about this out loud, right? Like maybe it's more about what you're looking for. Right. So I think Facebook does a good job with little communities. 
So like, if you're looking for community, Facebook's a good place to go for that. Like our yeah. like moms who right group where we met. Um, right. And I think when you look at Twitter, it's for people who want to feel heard or who are looking for a certain type of voice maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Instagram, it, it's there's a, a very visual component, obviously. <laughs> that duh yeah um but like if you're if you're more into kind of visual learning or visual processing I imagine that that Instagram's a better fit I don't know I don't know that's yeah. speculating um but and, and TikToks yeah. for anybody under 30 I don't know oh, golly <laughs> I like I I I so back to like I don't like who I am really so much on Twitter that's how I feel very much about TikTok um not mm-hmm. who I am but like I end up scrolling for longer periods of time than I meant to uh and I love that I don't love losing time I don't I have too many hats as you said before uh to just like waste time especially because I don't care that much I just can't stop scrolling because you know it's designed for that so um you know anyway (laughs) I I don't have that problem but as soon as I see see a dog video I'm like oh all the dog videos and I'm like oh my god you can't you gotta stop with the dog videos well everyone hears and it delivers you know the gods of the internet are like absolutely here's more dogs well I actually got a I got a notification from Facebook this morning and I was like okay now I really have to close it down I am one of Charlie the dog's biggest fans so I'm like all right well I need to maybe not that's probably not a good thing for me. Congratulations. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, awesome. it, it was it was a pleasure talking to you. I'm I'm so excited to uh read your book when it comes tomorrow now. Oh so, my uh, goodness. Yeah, it's gonna be on my TBR. And I, I think my daughter will love it. She loves dystopian things or anything not in the realm of normal maybe sure. I should say so that's sure. that's definitely her real house so I think she'll probably read it as well so well hopefully hopefully uh hopefully she enjoys it or you enjoy it um like I said it's got some adult themes so maybe check out your trigger warnings before you hand it off but thank it's, you for having me it was wonderful having you have a great night hey you too thanks Bye-bye. bye bye Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Bookshelf Banter with author K.M. West. Don't forget to check out her book and follow her on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast so I can continue to produce it. Let me know what you want to hear. Um, if there's any authors you'd really like to be interested in, in me chatting with, or if you're an author and you'd like me to chat with you, please send me an email at badmommy15 at outlook. Dot com, And I will uh, check that out and see if we can schedule a podcast interview. Join me next week on the podcast when I have Enrich Mom, Shantae, on the podcast. And she's talking about all of her education lifestyle books. Until then, have a great week.